Uh, Father, I just thank you uh, for the last few weeks. It's been great as a church as we've been thinking through, uh, Lord, what you might have for us as a church here at Spring Hill. Uh, we thank you for the way in which you've called us out of darkness into your wonderful light that you've revealed to us the glory, the goodness, the love that is in Christ Jesus. And I pray, Lord, as we open up your word this evening, as you speak to us, please help us to hear clearly. And Lord, I pray, Lord, uh, please challenge us, encourage us, uh, please motivate us uh, by your word, because we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, it's a couple of years ago now, uh, very long distance memory for, for some of us here this evening, but we did this SWOT analysis um, at Village Church. We, we looked at the strengths and the weaknesses and the opportunities and the threats. And we, we met together as some small groups across the city. Uh, we met and we, we talked through some of these issues. We also spent some time thinking about the big picture of Village Church and dreaming about what God might have for us to do as a church as we reach out to our city and reach out to our world. We kind of collated all that information. We pulled that information together. We began to pray, we began to think, we began to plan about what God might have for us as a church. And then COVID hit. We considered doing a, a vision series during COVID, uh, but thankfully the elders, they uh, talked us out of it. But since then, however, we've been slowly massaging some of what we've been praying about and considering about into the life of our church here at Village. That's why hopefully over the last few weeks, what we've been talking about as we've been thinking about community and outreach and transformation, hopefully that has not been revolutionary for you. Hopefully it hasn't been that groundbreaking. You know, as you've been coming along week in, week out, you've been thinking, yeah, 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 I know that, yeah. Hopefully that's been your reaction to a lot of the input over the last few weeks. That's why, because if you've been around Village Church for, you know, for a while, what we've been talking about over the last few weeks, it should sound sort of familiar to you. Now, the fact that we are a church that's grounded and seeped in the grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, that should not be foreign to a concept to us here at Village. And the fact that out of that grace grows our desire to be a church that is authentic and open about our brokenness a church that chooses to be messy over pretentious, that should not be new to us. You know, I remember a couple of years, there was a church in Brisbane, and they were doing a new church plant here, and they had this big, flashy kind of a billboard down in Milton. And I remember talking to Phil Driver from a morning church, and I said to Phil, Phil, if Village Church, if we had a billboard for our church, what would you put on it? And he said, Sam, I would have come to Village Church, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> and you know, whenever I tell that story to people, people have the same reaction. They just laugh or they nod and they go, that's a really good idea for a billboard, for a church, for Village Church. Come to Village Church, you'll be disappointed. And it's also, you know, for us over these last few weeks, it's also been a joy to, to welcome people and to, to see how people are welcomed and to see how people are welcomed from diverse backgrounds. We saw last week, didn't we, whenever we had the Mark drama here last week, right in the center of our church, we had like 250 people here last Sunday evening, and it was fantastic, because you could look at the, the actors and, and the producers and the directors taking part of the Mark drama, and it was just a mixed group of people. 
people from a diverse background, different cultural backgrounds from different jobs and different places. Now, here at Village Church, there is room for everyone. You know, across our church, we are encouraged by our commitment to one another, not just as a church, but also as a church family. You know, all of these things should be familiar to us. They should be things we experience because, well, that's Village Church DNA. That's really who we are. And it's not just our community life. It's also our transformational life. It's also transformation. The fact that we seek to grow in our relationship with Christ through being a gospel-centered church through the gospel, you know, permeating into every single aspect of our lives and the fact that it's driven by being part of a community, well, again, that is who we are. And we hope it's what you're experiencing here as being part of this church as well. I hope and pray that, that you're experiencing that transformation part of the gospel in your life through the power of God's word, through the power of his spirit here at Village Church. You know, last week, you know, John spoke here about um, outreach and again, you know, whenever John was speaking about outreach, I hope you weren't sitting here thinking, ah, oh, does Village Church do outreach? Huh, that's, that's new to me. I didn't, I didn't know that. Whenever John was talking about us being, you know, just ordinary people doing ordinary things with gospel intentionality, I hope as you were listening to John, you're going, yep, that's it. Amen, that's exactly who we are. That's exactly what we're about. And you know, we, what we want to do is we want to just keep being in many ways who we are and just keep doing what we've been doing, but do that better and do that all over the place. Therefore, you know, we don't want anybody here to feel as though what we've been talking about the last few weeks and what we're talking about this evening is kind of a, it's something that, that we're just kind of a imposing on you, you know, from the top down, from the staff team. This is our vision. This is what we're doing. Suck it up and just get on with it. We don't want anybody to feel that you're being shackled in some ways or, or, you know, there hasn't been due consultation. We want your feedback. We want to know if, if we're completely off the mark. We want to know if what we've been describing over these last few weeks, if that's not your experience here at Village Church. We want to, to know if there are certain aspects of our DNA as a church that we haven't noticed. And we also want to know our blind spots. So please don't see these last few weeks as just being the end or like, you know, it's kind of come to the point where it's, you know, it's, all, it's all accomplished, we've done it all, this is the package that we're presenting to you, but rather see it more as the beginning of something, as a, as a booster, as a springboard forward as God propels us to what he has for us, for our church in the future. And all of that being said, no, no conversation or vision or, or no conversation and vision on what God wants for us as a church, I think, is, is complete without some kind of reflection on these words of Jesus that we've just read this evening. You know, Jesus, he's, he's speaking uh, to the, the Pharisees, come up and they ask Jesus, teacher, which command of the law is the greatest? And he said to them, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Jesus' reply to the Pharisees, you know, it, it sounds so simple, doesn't it? It sounds so straightforward enough. But I'm sure many of us this evening, we have wrestled 
with these commands from Jesus. Many of us here this evening, we can look back at whenever we first, you know, ran out of the blocks on our Christian life. We look back and we feel like, you know, we hurtled forward with, with passion. We were passionate. We were sacrificial. We were even reckless and extreme at times. But at some point, we realized that that kind of level of zealousness, it could not be sustained. We may come to the conclusion that even that kind of intensity, in some ways, it was a bit naive or a bit idealistic or immature or downright unhealthy. We've also watched as, as overzealous Christian parents have sometimes caused more harm than good by, by loving God at the cost of loving their own children. And our intensity and sense of urgency, you know, has sometimes been used to, to treat people really badly. We can be too pushy with those that we serve with, or we can be inconsiderate to those closest to us. And all we can do all of that in the name of loving God before everything. We have at times, you know, fostered a devotion for God that has led to the neglect of our family and our friends, and especially to those of our family and friends who don't know Christ. And sadly, some people's interpretations of Jesus' word, well, it's led to burnout. Pastors who have just burnt out, Christians who have just burnt out, and sometimes they've just collapsed in a heap and they've never got back up again. You know, we know that these ends cannot be what it means to love God with everything that we've got. And Mikey Lynch in his book, he says this, there is much to be said for a concern not to ruin our lives and the lives of others for the glory and love of God. However, at the same time, in a world with competing values and duties, you know, sometimes I think we question whether we've maybe lost something by being overly cautious, or maybe we've lost something by being less zealous. So what might it look like for us to love God and to love people with everything that we've got? I want to suggest three things for each this evening. It means that we're to, to love God before all things. You see, God comes first before all things. You know, the first words that we read in the Bible are in the beginning, God. It's not in the beginning, the universe, or in the beginning, Mother Earth, or thankfully, it doesn't say in the beginning, Sam McGill, but rather in the history of the world, God comes first in time. God is before time itself. Without God, there would have been nothing. And without God, nothing would exist. Look at Paul's words in, in Acts chapter 17. God who says that God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives everyone life and breath and all things. Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Not only does God come first historically, he also comes first personally too. He is the one who gives us life. 
He is the one who brings us into existence. Therefore, our primary relationship, our primary foundational calling is to know God and to worship him. To worship God is the core duty of every single human being. Again, Mikey Lynch in his book, he says that if we got everything right in this life, but then fail to love God, then we would have got everything wrong. It's a bit like, you know, the cogs in a, in a combination lock. You know, whenever you've got a combination lock and you're kind of like trying to get the numbers together, everything has to line up. And when everything lines up, it just clicks and the door, you know, or the lock is unlocked and you're able to get into the safe or whatever you need to get into. And it's only when our, in the same with God, it's only whenever our love and our love is in the right order. It's only whenever we set our hearts and our minds on will on God every day. It's only then that the lives that our lives around us begin to make sense and everything falls into place. It's only whenever we're able daily to set our hearts and minds in worshiping God, setting our love on him, that the, light, the rest of the things in our lives just seem to make sense and everything falls into place. You know, our lives are often out of sync because we've stopped loving God above all else. I think we've also got to love God above all things. God's not only before all things, but he's also above all things he is God, he is Lord of lords, he is King of kings, he is God of all, he, he is supreme. There's only one God, there's only one creator, and this God, you know, he has sent his one and only son, you know, to, to sacrificially, you know, to, to give himself, to save us, to die for us, and to bring us home. And so he is unquestionably worthy of all our love, all our honor, all our glory, all of our allegiance from, from every part of our being. He is worthy of it all. But that isn't easy in a world of conflicting priorities. This original context where Jesus speaks these words, there were words that were spoken by Moses as, as Moses was speaking to the people as they were about to enter into the promised land where they'd be tempted to abandon their allegiance and obedience to God and follow other gods and more convenient truths. Jesus, you know, he's speaking these words in Jerusalem just before his death when his disciples are going to be tempted to abandon Jesus and reject him and to turn away from God. You know, we face the same challenges today. We're submerged today in a culture where each person is given the freedom to live life whatever way they choose, and no one has the right to tell them anything different, not even God. We live in a world where the modern self assumes that the, the authority of the inner feelings, we see authenticity as defined as the ability to express those inward feelings outwardly, and we do that in such a way that, you know, society, the, the society that we live in, it kind of has this obligation to affirm those feelings, to affirm those behaviors, whatever they might be. And sometimes even within the church, we can allow our commitment to our family or to our career or to our hobby or to our mortgage or even to our pain to tap us out in our relationship with God. 
You know, one time a couple of years ago, I'm in a church that I used to pastor. You know, there was a, um, a couple used to come to church. They had, they had a, a, a child that kind of a couple of years old. It was maybe two or three years old. And, and they hadn't been to church for a while. And I said, where have you been? What's going on? And they said, oh, sorry, we haven't been at church because um, our three-year-old doesn't want to go to church. Uh, Maggie Lynch, he says this, the supremacy of God calls for this universal love which must express its obedience to him in all things. It speaks about dwelling on and talking about God's word in, in all our everyday tasks. And this means that we must never obey any other internal desire or external authority that directly conflicts with God's moral commands. And as I said, you know, I appreciate that that isn't always straightforward. That's why we are living our Christian lives as part of a community. There are situations, there's nuances that we must learn to navigate together. But our intent must also always be to be, a, to be lovingly obedient to God. Knowing that when we fail, and we will fail, we will fail time and time again, that we can come to him knowing that he loves us, and if we come to him and, and we're truly repentant, then he promises to restore us, to restore us back into relationship and back into love with him again. The third thing, I think we need to put the love of God at the center of all things. The love of God comes first. It holds the supreme place in our hearts and in our, and in our lives. And it also sits at the center of all other loves and actions. You know, Jesus himself says there in verse 40, he says, all the law and the prophets, they depend on these two commands. Our love for God means that we see the world rightly when we see the world through his eyes, from his perspective. It's God's word that helps us to interpret this world and the place that we have in God's world. And it's our love and knowledge of God that empowers us to live fully for him. You know, we love other people. Why? Because he first loved us. We are faithful in our relationships where we're faithful to our, to our spouses. We're faithful to, to people, to one another. Why? Because God is a faithful God. We're generous because we recognize that, that our God has been so generous to us in Christ. We're lovingly angry at injustice in the world because God is angry at injustice. We work for peace because Jesus is the Prince of Peace. We're, we're not divisive at church, but we work for unity because the God that we worship, well, he is one. In any situation we find ourselves, you know, we can honor God. We can bring glory to him by putting him and his love expressed through his word and empowered by his spirit at the center of everything that we do. Now, as we look, you know, to the future of Village Church and what God might have for us, surely we must consider, not only just consider, but also embrace these words of Jesus. To love God before all things. To love God above all things to love God at the, the center of all things, knowing that this is the ultimate goal of, of not just us as Christians, but also this is the ultimate goal of every single human being that's living on this planet, to love 
God. And though we live in a world that is complex, and even though we fall short of this command so, so many times, God is still rich in his mercy towards us, and he calls us to worship him even in the most boring and mundane things, like watching cricket, like washing the dishes, like, you know, changing nappies, you know, driving the car, whatever that might be. He calls us to worship him in everything. And when we love, when we begin to love God, we begin to see the most fundamental things in our life fall into place so that everything is done trusting in him in obedience to him for his glory. But that doesn't mean that things are easy. It doesn't mean that the rest is easy. For Jesus not only gives us the, the, you know, the, the, the greatest command, which is to love God, he also gives us the second greatest command, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. But how do we do that? How do we love our neighbor when we have so many neighbors? How do we love our neighbor when we can't stand our neighbor? How do we love even people at church that we're sitting next to who we've never spoken to and we don't like very much? How do we love people when there are so many needs and many of those needs and many of those people are known to us and many of them are unknown to us? We do that by loving each person for who they are, for where they are, and when they are. You know, who they are. You know, we are a people who have been created in the image of God. You know, sometimes um, when I'm talking to someone, this is my family, and uh, I give them a, a photograph of my family, and I say, oh, here's a photograph of my family, and they take it. I say, now I want you to take that photograph, and I want you to rip it up. And it doesn't matter what culture someone's from, whether they're Aussie or, or Chinese or Irish or from Botswana, it's always the same reaction. It's, I can't rip this up. I said, why not? And they said, no, that's, that's your family. And I said, no, it's not my family. My family's in Holland Park. That's not my family. No, no, no. But it is your family. And I said, it's not my family. It's just a piece of paper. And they go, no, it's more than just a piece of paper. I said, just rip it up, tear it up. No, no, I can't do that because it's your family. It's an image of your family. And in the same way, we are, we are more than just flesh and bones. We are image bearers of God. So every single human being, no matter how wonderful they are, no matter how vile they are, are made in God's image. And therefore, they are worthy of honor and they're worthy of respect. And of course, that, that image is not perfect. It's never perfect. You know, we're all broken images of God. We've all been marred by sin. We've been torn apart by its consequences. And, and every single one of us, we are in need of God's grace and forgiveness. We, we're all in need of that forgiveness and grace. But knowing that for ourselves, you know, it, it will empower us to love people indiscriminately because we recognize that, that, that people are just as broken as what I am. And when loving people, you know, we must not just love them for who they are, but we must also love them for who we are. Well, Jesus assumes that when that he says, you know, we're to love others as we love ourselves. Now, we need to be kind to ourselves as we are 
kind to others. We are to be gentle with ourselves as we're gentle to others. We're to learn to, to treat other people with respect for we realize that we are God's treasured possession. And that also means that we all have various and varying capacities and responsibilities. And again, that is okay. And whenever we have announcements at church and we're telling you about all the things we're doing at church and you sit there and go, oh my goodness, they're up to something else again. You know, my, my weeks and my months, it's just so blooming busy and they're up at, the top, up at the front of the church talking about something else and they're expecting me to be involved again. Maybe you've been to churches in the past where you've just felt guilty all the time because people from the front are always making you feel guilty by, by telling you all the different ways you're not serving, all the different ways you should be giving this, doing that, and be involved in That is not village church. We don't care. And so when we're talking about stuff at the front, maybe it's not for you. Maybe it's for somebody else. But we don't want you to come and just feel guilty all the time. Maybe just the event is not for you. We're all very different. We're all at very different stages in our lives, different capacities. We've all got different responsibilities. We're to love people for who they are, but we've also got to love people for where they are. You know, Jesus, you know, spoke those words to his disciples. You know, he says, you know, just before he, he returned to heaven, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. When Jesus was saying these words, he wasn't saying Brisbane is Jerusalem, Judea is, you know, Queensland, Samaria is Australia, and the ends of the earth is the ends of the earth. That's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus was saying, what do we need to do? Well, we need to be witnesses everywhere. Why? Because people everywhere need Jesus. Missionaries sometimes talk about going in the mission field. When I was on the mission field, the mission field, the mission field. As though the mission field is way over there. The mission field is not a way over there. The mission field starts at the end of the pew and it extends to the ends of the earth. It starts at the end of your toes and extends to the ends of the earth. That is the mission field. And guess what? We're all in it. We're all in that mission field because there's lots of people around us who need Jesus. And that's why Jesus says that we're not just to love people, but we're to love our neighbor. To start with those closest to us, our family and our relatives, those sitting across from us at church, those that we work with, those who live in our street. At Village, you know, we, we want to see gospel communities emerge, grow and multiply in all parts of our world and our city, but especially in the corridor from Calvin Grove to the river via Spring Hill, Fortitude Valley, New Farm, and Newstead and Tenerife. Whether you live in Holland Park, whether you live in Fernie Grove, whether you live in Brookfield or Turingo or Nunda or wherever you might be living, that is what we desire to see happen at Village Church. That's one reason why we're in Spring Hill. We're over at Calvin Grove, we're here in Spring Hill. We'd love to see communities of faith down the road in the valley and into New Farm and Tenerife and Newstead. Why? Because it is a big, big, huge, big desert out there. Where people actually talk about the valley as being unreached. That there are so many people throughout our city who don't have Christian neighbors, who don't have Christian friends. And so we'd love to see gospel communities. We'd love to see thriving gospel communities in parts of our city where, where they're needed. 
And it's great to be here in Spring Hill to be part of that vision, to be part of what God might be doing. You know, globalization and social media, it also brings neighbors who are far away, close to us. You know, we had the pleasure of having Dan and Rachel Jamaluddin, uh, who are working in Thailand. They were with us this morning um, over in Kelvin Grove, and they were sharing with us about some of the work they're doing in Thailand. We have other gospel partners working around the world in different kinds of places. And we have a privilege here at Village Church to reach their neighbors for Christ through our prayers and through our support and through our encouragement and through giving financially to the work that they're doing so that their neighbors in many ways are our neighbors that we can reach out from the end of our toes to the ends of the earth. We'd love to see mission teams sent, being sent to support these guys. We'd love to see more and more people from Village Church being raised up and sent with the gospel to reach the ends of the earth for Christ and for his glory. But it also calls us to, to take an interest. It's great whenever Dan and Rachel come home so that we actually know exactly who they are and where they work and the kind of work that they're doing rather than coming home and saying, who are you? Where are you working again? I grew up in Northern Ireland. I was working in Japan. After a year, I came back to Northern Ireland. I walked into my local bank. I saw a member of our church and she very faithfully walked up to me and she said, Sam, I've been praying for you, for your ministry in Hong Kong for this last year. We don't want to be a church like that. We want to be a church with a functioning relationship with our mission partners. And we take that seriously because people everywhere need to know Jesus. We also need to, to love people for when they are as well. And that means there'll be certain times that require us to love in a certain way with certain degrees of love. There'll be times of family illness. There'll be times of stress that will call us just to, to focus in on just one person well. Times that will require us to say no to being involved with too many people. You know, whenever we've got newly born kids, you know, that puts new demands on us. It puts new demands on our love and our patience, causes us to cut down on time that we spend with family, friends, and with others. And there's no guarantee that we'll always have the same energy and the same time that we once had. You know, coming out of COVID, there's lots of us who just don't feel the same energy and have the same energy that we had prior to COVID. There will be seasons, there will be times in life that will require us to rest. But there'll be other times around church that will require us to love in a way that we have never loved before. And we and the people around us, you know, we're all different stages of life. And that means that, there, that at times we will shift and we will change and we will change gears in our loving. We are to love God before, above, and at the center of all things with all our heart and all our soul and with all our mind. And we're also called to love people, whoever they are, wherever they are, and whenever they are, as we love ourselves. But how do we do that here at Village Church? Well, we want to do that through organizing ourselves and encouraging ourselves to be committed to community, to outreach, and transformation. You know, we also want to empower, we want to equip us as a church to do that through, through building what happened. We appreciate that those, that the community outreach and transformation just can't help happen by themselves. 
That's why we have people like Tony and Christy working in administration in our, in our office. That's why we love having volunteers coming to help us with our admin. That's why we give financially for the work of the church. That's why we're, we, we harp on and on and on about prayer as a church. We want to see our church built up so that we can equip you as a church. That's why with our session, with our elders, with our committee of management, we have all of those things to seek to build us up, to build up our community, to build up our outreach, to, to build up our transformation. And in saying that, we also need to recognize that all of those things don't exist just as little silos off to the side. You know, we understand, you know, transformation just doesn't happen when you're reading your Bible. But transformation often happens, you know, in community, when you're serving alongside someone at church. It happens when you're sharing your faith with other people. And the same way, you know, whenever you think about outreach, one of the greatest forms of outreach is by being part of a loving community here at Village Church. As we grow one another, we grow our love for one another. It's, it's great to be able to welcome people into that community. And we want to be a church that loves God and loves people. And we want to do that from the end of our toes to the ends of the earth. We want to see that happen here at Spring Health. Have a look around this evening. We still have plenty of space in our pews. We still have lots of space here at, um, at Spring Hill for people to come and join us. It's great being here on the street as we have people walking in and walking out of the church here at Spring Hill. But with everything we do, we, we need to also recognize that, that God is the one at the center. He is the one that builds this church. I like the little Celtic symbol in the middle there of the Trinity, you know, Father, Son, and Spirit. Um, God is at the center of his church. He is the one who builds his church. He is the one who seeks to build his church for his glory. And I want to encourage you to, to join us. I want us to enjoy, encourage you to keep joining us. I want to encourage you to, to please this week as, as you meet together in community groups, keep thinking and praying and discussing about what God might have for us here in Brisbane and how we might bring more and more glory to him uh, through the end, from the end of our toes uh, to the ends of the earth. Let's pray for that, that right now. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, for the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that has just taken the blinkers off our eyes so that we are captured by your grace and by your love. Lord, we know it's only by your grace and only by your mercy. We're not worthy. We're not good people. And because we're good people, you reach out to us in love. Lord, it's because we recognize, because we are not good people, Lord. We are people who are broken. We are people who are broken by sin. We are people who are, in our hearts, are rebellious towards you, who, who push you away, who reject you. And we, yet we recognize how you've continued to pursue us with your grace and with your love. How you've called us into a relationship with yourself. And Lord, I thank you so much, Lord, for the ways in which you've done that here in villages. You've not just called us into a relationship with yourself, but you've called us into a relationship with one another here at Village. And Lord, I pray, Lord, please help us, Lord, to grow in what it means for us to be a community. Lord, help us to grow, Lord, in our desire to be more like Christ. Lord, and please, Lord, Help us to grow in our desire to share the delight that we have in Jesus with others. 
Lord, please, I pray, Lord, may we be committed, Lord, in prayerfully to, to seek to, to build up your kingdom, your church, Lord, in Spring Hill, in, in, uh, in Calvin Grove, uh, Lord, to see, Lord, to see gospel work, Lord, thrive in the valley, out to New Farm, to Tenerife, Newstead, Lord. Lord, wherever we live across the city, Lord, help us to remember, Lord, that 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 work begins, Lord, at the end of our toes, wherever we are this evening, wherever we are tonight, that that work begins at the end of our toes and it, from the end of our toes, Lord, extends to the ends of the earth. Lord, what a blessing it is to be involved in your vision and your work here in Calvary Grove and throughout the world. And we pray, Lord, that you might continue to work within us, continue to mold us more and more as your people, continue to use us for your fame and for your glory, we pray. Because we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.